200 accredited courses and more than 1,000 videos, the Police One Academy is a powerful online solution that provides department training programs with features that reduce time spent on records and policy management, credential tracking, and more. It is law enforcement training made simple and effective. For more information and to get a 30-day trial, visit www.policeoneacademy.com forward slash policing matters. Hello, and thank you for clicking, and thank you for listening to Policing Matters, the Police One podcast. I'm Doug Wiley. Hey, I'm Jim Dudley. Hey, Jim. Um, you're a citizen of the Bay Area and a former um, law enforcement officer here in the city and county of San Francisco, where I live. Uh, in November, we had a very tight election uh, between uh, about four or five candidates for district attorney. Um, ultimately, a person... Uh, named Chesa Bodine, whose parents coincidentally were members of the Weather Underground and were sentenced to a number of years in prison for the death of two police officers and a security guard during the commission of a Brinks robbery in, I believe, 1981. That aside, um, he ultimately was elected to the role of district attorney. He's not the only person who could be construed or viewed as an anti-police district attorney or prosecutor. There's um, Philadelphia has Larry Krasner. Uh, Wesley Bell is in St. Louis. Rachel Collins in Boston. Um, the, the, the electorate in many places, particularly really urban places with significantly high crime, various different social issues, homelessness, poverty, a variety of different ills, uh, that are electing these very hostile anti-police district attorneys to prosecute crimes. Now, if you remember back in the day when Law and Order was actually a good show, it would say, you know, these are the police and these are the prosecutors. They these are their stories. They work together. Well, it's really difficult to work together with a district attorney who has said, in no uncertain terms, I am not prosecuting prostitution. I'm not prosecuting solicitation. I'm not prosecuting urination on the streets. I'm not prosecuting a whole host of, in finger quotes now, quality of life crimes, which burgles, car break-ins, all of these things, which lead to, frankly, the city becoming less than what it once was. How do law enforcement officers navigate the new environment, the new normal, of working with a district attorney's office that is actively ignoring serious crimes? Well, it's a huge issue, but it's not a new one. In our last uh, iteration of the DOJ under another president, we did start introducing, or they started introducing words like justice-involved individual right. rather than parolee or convict. I think that's when the slippery slope started. I think when you had... DAs in Baltimore who said they were going to prosecute not so much based on the fact, but based on the optics. Their feelings. Their feelings. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think the new trend flies in the face of victims' rights, the broken windows theory, and SEPTED, crime prevention through environmental design, because clearly the environment is part of the issue that they're talking about. The offender as victim narrative just got real in San Francisco. It's not the first time that we hired or elected a liberal district attorney. A couple of district attorneys before. We can name names. Yeah. We had a public defender as the district attorney. Right. And 
you know, before I sell my house and move out of state, I would wait to see what happens. I mean, the problem I see it is, is that the police are again going to be the middleman. They're going to hear it from, I've already seen it in the editorials to the paper that people are saying, why is it that the police refuse to act on this? That's not the case. The police will give you the amount of policing that you deserve. And if the district attorney says, we're not going to prosecute these crimes, uh, then why spin your wheel? Why jump out of your car uh, on these crimes that they said they weren't already going to prosecute? That said, uh, I believe the chief of police in this town and other towns like it should tell the troops, hey, we only catch them. We don't clean them or cook them. Mm -hmm. Let's make the arrest. Let's put the onus on the DA. Let them refuse to prosecute. Um, unless you get an edict or an order from the chief saying not, you know, hands off for certain right. crimes, I would ask if, if I'm the leader of the union, I'm going to ask the chief, can you please put in writing the list of crimes in the penal code that you don't want enforced? And they're essentially saying that discretion's out the window. Uh, these are new policies. And I think that's that's something that you can show to the community and say, look, we would love to help you, but we're literally we're under bound orders. by these orders. Yeah, and, and that happened in New York City, you know, at the termination of the, quote, stop and frisk, which is just Terry stop, mm -hmm. constitutionally legal. Uh, to stop a person and ensure that uh, for the safety of the officer and the, and the person involved that there is no weapon present other than the officer's sidearm. Right. Um, that's just something that's so widespread, misunderstood, that it makes me want to throw something heavy at something fragile. <laughs> but, um, you know, but what you do get into, and I think that when you get down to the kind of the, the troops on the ground kind of level of uh, discussion is a, a, a misunderstanding. A lack of understanding of what really the standing orders are. And like you'd said, if they're not standing orders, then what do we do? Do I get myself jacked up into a situation by making an arrest for drug possession and public urination, right? When the DA says, I'm not going to prosecute it. And then maybe the arrest goes kind of sideways and you have to use some level of force. Now you're into a situation where you have a DA who's hostile towards police, more interested in prosecuting an officer than the person who was arrested. Right. In, in some cases, right. in some states, in some cities. And to your point, yes, the previous political political uh, administration at 1600 uh, Pennsylvania Avenue, they created, they established a baseline of we're going to go after cops. That's what led to the thing that happened in, in Baltimore, you know, where you had six officers who were accused of improper use of force, uh, uh, you know, and, and, you know, that led to the death of an individual in, the, in their custody. All of them were exonerated, tosses. All the charges were tossed out, but that led to the political environment or the socioeconomic or what have you environment where it was okay to start pointing, you know, the judicial system at the police officers and not the offenders. Right. 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 Yeah. I mean, like I said, we've seen it before. Um, some jurisdictions, whether it's the DA or the chief themselves, they've they've even asked uh, officers to decrease the number of traffic stops, yeah. thus eliminating potential for race-based traffic stops. So, you know, there's a consequence to everything. If there there's no consequence, there usually isn't a deterrent. 
So if you know that your local law enforcement agency isn't pulling you over for equipment violations, why get those taillights fixed? Why get that headlight fixed? Uh, if they know that you're gonna get away with a rolling stop through a stop sign, maybe why stop at all? So then the consequence is traffic accidents, traffic fatalities go up, uh, pedestrians are hit, and then the outcry goes back against who? Yeah. The police. Why aren't the police pulling these cars over? Why aren't the police citing these people? And again, I think the I think ultimately the loser is law enforcement in the middle of this tug of war between liberal ideology in a position of power yeah. and the community saying, help us. But in this case, I think the community had their shot during the election. They did. They did. And they said, don't help us. They said, just stay away from helping us. That's It was plainly apparent that with the election of this particular DA in this particular city and county, it was the voters who said, we don't want you to prosecute, quote, quality of life crimes. Now, get back to traffic stops real quick because it's important. Timothy McVeigh was caught at a traffic stop. He was, at the time, the biggest domestic terrorist, actually the biggest terrorist in the history of the United States. He was caught at a traffic stop. In Oklahoma City. In Oklahoma City. Um, A variety of people who are dangerous, who tend to commit crimes, also commit crimes behind the wheel. Speeding, not stopping for traffic, uh, traffic signals, a whole host of other things. They disregard varieties of crimes. Right. And... You can find ways to get people who have warrants, who are wanted in places. That These proactive policing activities lead to taking sometimes very, very dangerous, awful people off of the streets. Right. Right? Now, the person who's pissing on the sidewalk in front of my house is probably not a murderer, but they have clearly committed a crime. That's... It's illegal to do that. Right. I would like for them to not do that anymore. Right. I would like for that... To, there to be a deterrent against doing that in the future in my neighborhood or another. So it, it, this all to me goes to the election of all of these anti-police DAs is all part of this de-policing in America where cops are basically looking at the job going, I'm just going to kind of be a firefighter. I'm just going to go out on the call that I get assigned to and I'm not going to do anything proactive. Right, but before you yell at the radio or your phone or whatever you're listening on this podcast to, I would also indicate that besides these low-level quality of life crimes, this particular DA elect said he's going to do away with gang injunctions. Yeah, right. Gang injunctions Good are point. serious. Good point. Tools for law enforcement to use. They are efficient. They allow you to look at those most likely to be in violent crime, most likely to be involved in weapons, drugs, intimidation, all of it. So why take that tool away? Again, it's similar to the traffic stops Mm -hmm. because somewhere along the lines, they've aligned it with a racial bias. And if the courts have seen the pattern of chronic criminal behavior, if they're on parole or probation, if they continue to act in the behavior that leads up to these violent crimes, why not equip law enforcement with the tools that allow you to preemptively stop that kind of crime? Amen. Excellent point. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, What's going on in your neighborhood? What's going on in your jurisdiction? What's going on in your agency, your department? 
send us an email to policingmatters at police1.com. That's policingmatters at police1.com. Thank you again for listening.